has something special um, for you. If you don't mind, I want to pray again, and then I want to jump in the message. Ready? God, thank you for this day. I lean into you. You know our hearts are heavy, but God, you know our hearts are connected to you, and that God, you have something specific for us in this place, in this moment, in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to hang out in Galatians chapter 5 for a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about running with the giants. And man, I want to talk about a a spiritual giant, somebody that we've all heard of, or maybe we've uh, heard rumors about, or maybe you saw something about on TV that has uh, uh, what I would say terrible marketing discussion about. And this giant is actually an incredible giant because he is actually the third person of the Trinity. We're going to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit. Um, we're not going to call him the Holy Ghost because when you start talking about ghosts, I get creeped out. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I'm scared and there's no more scary place than a church with all the lights off. Has anybody ever had that fear? And Have you ever walked through a church when all the lights are off? I don't know why. Like I don't know what we're going to see that's going to scare us, but that's like the scariest place in the world to me. Matter of fact, when I was on staff at Princeton as a, as a, as a youth pastor, um, I always said this place is scary with the lights off. It had a big stained glass window and even when the moon was bright, that glass window, uh, the stained glass would kind of shine really bright. And when you walked by, it was just really, really creepy. You know what I'm saying? There's two things that really scare me. Uh, Actually, three. Um, One is clowns. I'm not a big clown fan. If you like clowns, you're strange. I'm just going to tell you. I, I love you, but you're, you're, you're weird too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of crazy. Number two is, is, is when kids get that creepy look in their eye. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I have two daughters, and they get this look in their eye sometimes, and it creeps me out. I'm like, hey, snap out of it, please. You're scaring me. You know what I'm saying? And, and when your little girl sleepwalks a little bit, that's even creepier. You know what I'm saying? You're like, that's scary to me. And three are churches at night. And so I, I've always kind of talked about these fears, and I've kind of just mentioned them before, but I'll never forget one I got a call from a student and he said, hey, I left my cell phone and my iPad in the youth room this, this Wednesday night and I need to get it because I have to have that stuff for school tomorrow. And I was like, man, you don't need a phone. We used to live without phones. You can live a day without your phone. And they're like, please, I need my phone. Please just come here. I need my iPad. It's got homework and stuff on it. I was like, okay. So I show up at the church. Nobody was there yet. He hadn't showed up to, to kind of meet me there, and I was kind of waiting on him, and I waited a few minutes, and finally I was like, I want to get back home. I'm just going to run in this church. And so what I've decided I was going to do is I was going to open and unlock the church, sprint to the youth room as fast as I can, grab his stuff where he told me it was, and if it's not there, he's going to have to go back and get it himself, and sprint back out of this church because I don't want to look into the sanctuary and see the creepiness of what might be going on here. And so... It's, I just, I'm just being honest, you know what I'm saying, like a little fear issue, you know what I'm saying, and so I literally opened the door, took about four steps, and out of nowhere I hear this, Tommy, like that, and I literally, I don't know if you've ever been this scared before in your life, I literally just fell down. Like, I didn't scream. I couldn't muster up a yell. I couldn't do it. I literally just felt, it was like somebody just shot me dead right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I fell over. And we had a guy that was probably about five foot two that was our children's pastor. And he comes around the door and goes, <laughs> and if I could move, I would have punched him in his face so hard because I was literally just sitting there scared to I mean, just scared to death. I couldn't move. And after a few moments, I realized I just, I, I kind of, my breath came back to me, and I'm talking about two, two and a half minutes in. I literally just looked at him and I said, 
uh, Johnny doesn't need his cell phone, does he? And he goes, no. And I was like, I am going to kill you guys. Like, I don't like you. I'm not sure Jesus loves you at this moment. I know I don't. Um, I was just, I mean, I was enraged. And so I went to my car, and, and they were all laughing still, and, and I had to repent for the things I was thinking in my heart and my mind. And, and so I just went to the altar before I went to my car, and I was just like, God, forgive me of those things. But, but man, it was just this moment of just fear that just kind of came over me. And I began to think about my relationship with Christ and our relationship with Christ and running with the giants and running about these things. And whenever the word or the name Holy Spirit kind of comes out from a pulpit, I notice everybody gets tensed up real fast. Everybody gets a little nervous, like, what is he going to say? What is he going to do? And all this is because someone stepped up that was acting like they were going to represent the Holy Spirit, and they did something that was kind of strange or off or kooky or weird. And man, I just want to tell you, nothing strange, nothing weird, nothing kooky is going to happen in this place right now. But what I will tell you is that there is a third person in the Godhead in the Trinity, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he's talked about all through Scripture in the Old Testament. They use the word Ruach to talk about him. In, in the New Testament, they use the word Numa. And more than the word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, the actual best definition of who he is is like a breath of fresh air, just a, a wind in your sails, kind of like just, just guiding you and just taking it all in and realizing who he is. And it's funny because we need this Holy Spirit in our life, leading, guiding, and directing our steps. But the enemy, Satan himself, I believe, has totally made a, a, a mockery and even maybe some doctrines and, and other uh, denominations and other belief systems that, that what this is is not needed. It's not weird. And so a lot of us are comfortable with God the Father. And a lot of us are comfortable with Jesus, God the Son. But man, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, everybody starts, oh, wait a minute here. And can I tell you, it's not one without the two, it's three and one. And all three are incredibly important to your relationship and ultimately the success of this journey that you're walking with Jesus to be able to come to fruition. Galatians 5 says it like this. And matter of fact, I'll just put it like this. You're, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the, fl the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This whole thought in Galatians chapter 5 right here is this idea that we need to walk by the Spirit, that we have this freedom that's been given to us to walk in the Spirit. And I want to talk to you about what that looks like in your life. But first, I want you to kind of see this, and this is really my first slide, is that you and I have been given freedom in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So our relationship with Jesus Christ actually brings us freedom. It's, it's freedom from our sins. It's when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you surrendered your heart, you surrendered your life, and you gave it all to him. And with that came this incredible just freedom in who you and I are. Matter of fact, when you start talking about freedom in church, people get a little bit nervous because most of the time in church, what you hear about is what not to do, 
right? Like you, you start hearing a lot about what the church is against and not what the church is for. And so you start hearing, man, I'm really nervous. But here's what's incredible about God is that he wanted us and has designed our lives to have this incredible amount of freedom in who we are in him. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 2, and I don't have a slide for this, I just want you to know it. Maybe you missed it. I know I missed it for a long time in my relationship with God, but God's first words to Adam were these three words right here. You are free. Man, how, when's the last time you heard that preached anywhere in the church? That you are Free, that there's this incredible freedom that takes place when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that freedom is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Problem is, is when we look around the big capital C, the big church, all the churches connected, it's hard to find followers of Jesus Christ that walk in freedom. And the reason why we don't find people who walk in freedom is because I believe there's a lot of people that don't understand how to walk in the Spirit. So we have a question. And this question I would love for you to think about and answer over the next couple days. And this question is this. You have some real decisions to make with how you choose to use your freedom. That's the beautiful thing about God. So I'm going to teach you a little bit of theology here that, that maybe you haven't seen or, or heard lately. I just want to kind of share it with you. I know Pastor Anthony's my favorite pastor, and so I just want to kind of piggyback off him a little bit and kind of give it to you in a, in a different perspective, maybe a different light. Like when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and we accepted that salvation, there is nothing then and there's nothing now that we could ever do to earn that gift from God. I mean, that was just a free gift. Like, it's, it's part of our freedom. The fact that Jesus gave up his life, died, and rose again, we just get this freedom when we accept him in our heart and accept him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And we walk in this freedom. And so we have a freedom, you and I have, because we are followers of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Galatians 5 tells us what we just read is, is that we have this freedom to walk in the Spirit, the question is, are you walking in that freedom? Have you made a decision to walk in that freedom? Or are you walking in your history? So I know a lot of people who have given their heart to Jesus Christ, but all they seem to talk about is the things they used to be or the things they used to do. Hey, I, I married up. Can I just tell you, my wife is a beautiful woman. Uh, my two daughters are incredibly beautiful, but if I ever want to see my wife get mad, you know what I need to do? I need to start talking about my history. And I'm not talking about the things I used to do. I'm talking about the things and the people I used to date. How many of you know that's a big no-no, right? Like, if I was to ever look at my wife, and she's not here right now, she's in a in church, and chances are she hears me preach so much, she probably won't come listen to this, so I can say this today, but do, do you think my marriage would last long if I looked at my wife and said, well, so-and-so didn't treat me that way, or so-and-so used to do this? See, guys are getting really nervous right now. I see you. Some of the guys in this room are like shrinking down. They're like, oh my God, what is this guy doing? My wife's not here. I can say this stuff right now. Like, I know your wife's beside you. You don't have to agree. But she's smiling going, yeah, I would kill him 
if he did that. Because we all think about our history. Or, or, or people who follow Christ and all of a sudden they start talking about their, their habits. That's all they talk about. Like, I, I follow Jesus, but I'm going to talk about my habits. Like, they start talking about what they used to do. And here's what's great. They're like old athletes. They used to accomplish more than they used to really do. Has anybody ever heard that, like, people used to kick longer field goals? We all know kickers aren't really athletes, right? Pastor Anthony was in the band. That's even worse. But come on, guys. Let's, let's just talk for a minute. Like, you see some athletes that maybe started, but then all of a sudden they start talking about how they were all county or all state. Like, like it just didn't different. People start glorifying their habits. Their life was miserable before Jesus. They get Jesus, and they talk about the greatness of the misery of their life before him more than they talk about what God is doing in and through them right now. That's when you talk about your history and your habits. You know what other people do? Other people talk about their hurts. Other people, they, they just live in their hurt life. Like they're, they're talking about like, oh, yeah, I accepted Jesus and, and I would be doing this, but so-and-so did this to me over here and, and I'm just kind of stuck. Can I just tell you, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got freedom in your life. You got it to be able to hold on to, and you don't have to think about your history, thank God. You don't have to think about your old habits, thank God. You don't have to worry about your old hurts. Jesus brings healing and freedom to our lives because of who he is and what he did in the cross. And so that question should matter to you. The question is, you have some real decisions to make as a follower of Jesus Christ. How are you going to use your freedom? How are you going to do that? Because the Bible says that you should, in Galatians 5, walk with the Spirit. Well, if you're going to walk with the Spirit, what does Galatians 5 mean? It means this. Walking with the Spirit means not giving into the desires of our flesh. It means not giving into the desires of our flesh. Guys, there's some certain things about our flesh that it just calls out to us. Like, like for instance, this next week, I've already told a few people in this room during the take two that I'm going to North Myrtle Beach today. I am so excited. My family and I are piling up in the, in the coolest minivan ever made. It's called the Honda Pilot. And um, we're going to ride in this new and improved minivan for adults and uh, for men like me, manly men. Just get that in your head for a moment. And we're going to ride down to North Myrtle Beach and have time together as a family. And I'm incredibly, incredibly excited about this. But when we get down to the beach, I am haunted by two things nonstop. And that is this. We'll be outside at the beach. And when it gets really hot, I get really thirsty. I'll throw down some water. And then all of a sudden, my wife pulls out the Yeti. And all of a sudden, she pulls out a really cold Oreo cookie. Thank you, Jesus. Right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, it is tempting to eat on that Oreo cookie. Does that make sense? But if I eat on that Oreo cookie all day long and go back and then finish a row and then the second row and then maybe half of the third row because I give my wife and my daughters the other ones, uh, man, I, I, it gets and messes my body up. It's the flesh. It just calls out to it. So you know what I do? When I see her start to reach for the Oreos, I sprint to the ocean. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, shh swimming in there just like David Hasselhoff from Baywatch. You know what I'm saying? Like, just as fast as I can get in there. You know why? I am fleeing from the scene because I know what my flesh is going to want to do when I sit at the beach and that Oreo cookie comes out. And the Bible even says it like this. When the devil comes, you should run. You should flee 
from him. And so I'm just following scripture. When that Oreo cookie bag comes out, I'm sprinting to the ocean. I am fleeing because you know what? I know my flesh, the desires. And here's the thing. Some of you guys that are laughing right now and some of you guys that aren't, you're like, you should be able to withstand the temptation of an Oreo. Can I tell you something? There are some things that you're tempted by that you can't withstand. We all have our things, right? And here's the problem. If we're trying to withstand them within our own willpower, we'll never withstand them long enough. There'll be a time where it catches up to you. It'll be a time where it catches into your life and it'll hook right back into who you are because here's the deal. You were never meant to walk in willpower. You were meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in step with him. And where he goes. Matter of fact, Galatians 5, later on in verses 24 and 25, say it like this. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I mean, since we live in the Spirit, since God's Spirit lives inside of us, and we received the Holy Spirit when we became followers of Jesus Christ, and then we walk in the Spirit, we have the power to overcome the temptation of the flesh. I, I like this. I, I grew up listening to several different kinds of music and reading different kinds of books. There was a, there was a great theologian named uh, Kanye West, and he, he wrote a song called Jesus Walks. And uh, I, I just have come to the understanding that if Kanye gets that Jesus walks, then we should be able to see in our own hearts and our lives that Jesus walks. Like, if somebody who struggles with mental illness gets that Jesus walks, then guys, hear me when I say this. We should be able to gather the idea that Jesus walks. There was another great theologian. His name was Ludacris growing up. And he said this. He said, when I move, you move. Just like that. Does that make sense? Like... This is so, man, it's so basic. I just want you to hear it because we really struggle because we get it, but we don't get it. Does that make sense? So, so when Ludacris would come on and I would be rolling in my car and he'd say, you move, I move, just like that. That should really be our walk with the Spirit of God. When he moves, I move, just like that. And I can follow him wherever he's leading me and guiding me to go because I am empowered by the Holy Spirit in my life. Here's the problem. So many of us in this room, when he moves, I like to go the other direction and not even be around what he's trying to accomplish and do because I think I know what's best for my life and forgetting that I've surrendered my life and I don't ever get to the part where it's just like that anymore. I get to the point where I'm just lost. And I see and look around a bunch of places and finding followers of Jesus Christ who are in step with the Holy Spirit is becoming too far and in between these days. We've got to get in step with him. And when he moves, we move just like that. That's how you walk by the Spirit of God. See, that's what's kooky about the Holy Spirit to a lot of people because a lot of people hear people talk about God doing some things in their life and they're walking with them, but they look hypocritical to everybody else. And it's because they're not walking with the Spirit, they're walking in their own flesh. Matter of fact, if you were to ask people why they don't attend church or why they won't give Jesus a chance, the first thing they say, the first thing they say is the people who represent him don't walk and live their lives as if they really truly believe he exists. See, that's not a condemnation on the idea that your life's not perfect. 
It's a condemnation that you don't walk out in vulnerability and honesty what's going on in your life with Jesus Christ. Man, God wants you to be empowered to walk in him and live the life that you and I were both created for. You were made for this. You were made to live your life in freedom. You were created to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and to see what God will do in you and what he's designed and purposed for you. So let me ask this question. Is there anything, absolutely anything, anything in your life that is keeping you from walking in the Spirit? Is there anything? Is there anything? I I don't, I'm just not a big fan of like trying to name all the different sins that everybody's struggling with. I'm, I'm coming in here just assuming that we decided to spend this time together and grow into spiritual maturity. And so when I come to you with a question and I say, is there anything in your life that is keeping you from walking with the Spirit? My belief is, is right now things are popping in your mind because you're going to honestly ask yourself that question. So what is it? What, what is keeping you? Like, like at least define it. Let's, let's quit walking our lives with, with Jesus and how he's leading, guiding, and directing us. And let's quit acting like we don't know what's going on. Let's just understand that Jesus died on the cross not to play hide and go seek, but to have a true relationship with you and I. And so he's going to use this moment to speak to you. So let me ask you, what, what is keeping you from walking in the Spirit? What is, what is hindering you? Is it something you saw on TV? Is it something that somebody else said or did and so you just wrote it off? Because here's the deal, the Holy Spirit exists and He wants to walk this life with you. I can't think of a better way to run with a giant than to run with the Holy Spirit active and moving in our minds and in our hearts. So I, I came to this conclusion. When I obey the Spirit, it produces what I need and I cannot do. See, that's why it's so important that you walk with the Holy Spirit. It's because when you walk with the Holy Spirit, He begins to produce inside of you what you cannot do on your own. It means it's getting rid of willpower and connecting up to really God's power, the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And it doesn't have to look weird or strange because Galatians chapter 5 also says this in verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What is that, Tommy? That is the fruit of the Spirit. When you move, He moves. It produces something inside of you that you can't do yourself. And what that is, is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Here, here let me just ask you a question like this. Or, or let me just put it to you like this. How many of us 
in our own lives or in the other lives of people that we're connected to need more God's love. How many people do we know, and this one's huge for me because I think there's a lot of people that need to know and see and experience more joy in their life. There, there's some people that need more peace in their life. There, there's people that need to see and, and, and become witnesses to forbearance, like restraint and tolerance in people's life. There, there's, there's people I know and can think of that they need more uh, kindness in God's life. They need more goodness in their life. They need more faithfulness in their life. Gentleness. They need, we need more. We need more. Like, here's the deal. And, and if you don't even want to look at other people, it would be really good if we just kind of maybe flipped up a mirror and said, maybe I need some more self-control. Maybe I need some more gentleness. How do I receive that? Let me tell you how you receive that. You understand that every time you obey the Spirit, it begins to produce something in your life. There was a friend uh, that used to, at one point, uh, be a part of North Park Church as well, alongside of me, and, and man, he sowed a lot into this church, and one time he said something to me, and it changed my perspective really well. His name was Larry Poole. Larry Poole said this right here. He said, everybody wants a harvest in their life until they realize the cost of the seed. And I thought, bro, that'll preach. That's why I'm preaching it right now. Um, and this is what it means. Like every time I obey the Spirit and I'm walking with Him, I begin to drop seed in my life. And, and it, it's going to take root, but how much seed I drop in my life will determine how much my life produces from the fruit of the Spirit. See, see a lot of people who follow Jesus, they don't want to go through the difficulty of being obedient to the Holy Spirit in their life or, or the difficulty of saying yes to the things that God's saying to them. And because of that, they end up losing the opportunity to grow these fruit and seeing these things become produced into the man and woman that they were created to be. You see, every time you obey the Spirit, you plant seed for that fruit to become produced in your life so that you can be everything that God created you to be. And you can be closer to him than you ever have been before. So I ask this question, if you, Tommy, tell me all these things about the Holy Spirit, how do I begin to take steps to realize I'm planting the seed? God, you ask. I've got three ways for you and I to know we can walk with the Spirit. Number one is this right here. You need to believe God's promises for you are true. You need to believe that God's promises are for you. You say, why is that such a big deal? Because you know what I see a lot? You know what I hear a lot? I believe a lot of people in this room, even in this room, let's just talk personally today. Can we talk personally? I believe a lot of people in this room right here believe God's promises are true for other people. I believe there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus, accepted him as their Lord and Savior, and believe what God's word is, is saying is true, but they have a hard time accepting it for themselves, that God really loves them this much, that God really has created them for so much more, that God actually wants to produce these fruit in their life, and that God wants to use them to accomplish something special, created for them. And I've got to let you know this, and, and I, I want to say this, and I'll probably say this to the day I die, and you may hear this every time I come to North Park, but I need you to hear this. God's promises for you are true. 
You, you hear me like God's promises for you are true. Like God has something for you. Like God just didn't die on the cross so that you can become saved so that other people get to live their best life. God died on the cross. You surrendered your heart because he wants you to live your best life. And his promises that God is for you, not against you. And that these things that God has created you for will come to pass. Why? Because they are God's promises for you. Matter of fact, in scripture, he says it like this. God says, my promises are yes and amen. That's beautiful. Because the, the word amen translated actually means so be it. So it means yes, they are for you. And then so be it, it will come to pass. And so whatever God promises you, if you'll believe it in your heart, if you'll just, honestly, if you'll just receive it, that will come to pass for you in your life because God's promises are true for you. But man, it's easy to sit in a community and look over to your right and to your left and say, well, I believe God's promises are for them. Look what God's done for them. God's moving in their life and God's doing these things. No, God's promises are for them, but they are also for you. And if you want to walk in the Spirit, because we're not worried about how other people are walking in the Spirit, our goal is for us to walk in the Spirit. Then I have to come to the realization that God's promises are true. And if Galatians 5 says that God has promised me the Holy Spirit and that I can walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, then I can do that thing. I can accomplish this. Number two is this right here. This is where it gets hard. We got to just say yes and be obedient and courageous to what he asked us to do. Some of us in this room, you might feel really frustrated with your relationship with Jesus Christ. You might feel like you're really struggling in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And in those moments, what I've learned is that's when we start looking back towards our history, our habits, and our hurts. We, we start going back to those things that, well, it's because of that that I can't do this. And what I've learned is that is not the answer and that's actually not the case. The problem usually hinges on a moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and your mind and he told you to do something and you said no. And you've done everything in your power in your life to convince the Holy Spirit of why he shouldn't have asked you to do that, but he hasn't changed his mind yet. And I'm gonna tell you something, he won't. And so you're frustrated because you're not moving forward. And when you take that step, you realize he's not taking that step with you. And you can't understand why. Let me help you. You have told him no somewhere. And you're not following what he's calling you and showing you to do. Hey, that whole idea, if he moves, I move just like that. I move, you move just like that. Holy Spirit moves, I say yes, and go exactly where he tells me to go. Guys, I can't tell you how big that I think this is for so many of us in our walks with Jesus Christ. That I believe a lot of our frustrations, a lot of where we feel stuck, 
a lot of where we feel like we're in neutral or we're at a red light is it's not really a red light, it's a green light. You're just stuck and neutral because you're choosing not to listen to what God's telling you to do. And here's the beautiful thing about being a pastor and a preacher sometimes. So we get to say that and then we get to let you wrestle that and figure out what the Holy Spirit's saying. That's where you grow in spiritual maturity. It's when you come to an honest moment with yourself and say, you know what, I know God's saying this to me. I know God told me to do this. I know God said that I should say this or that I should pray with someone or I should do this or follow him here. And I just told him no. And you know what, my relationship with the Holy Spirit doesn't feel like it's been the same since. And the reason why is because you've said no and you have to learn to say yes. Guys, I, I could tell you multiple stories in my life and the lives of people that I love and trust that once they went back into their relationship with the Holy Spirit and they began to say yes to what he asked them to do, it began to drop seed and produce more of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And God is using them in ways they could have never imagined. I remember in my own life when I felt called to preach. I ran from it from so long. You know why? Because my parents were missionaries to Germany. I spent my first three years of, of schooling in an actual German school. I could sit here and tell you, I can sit here and talk some German to you and laugh and, and do some of those things. But can I tell you, when I transitioned back to the United States, and they put me in third grade and they started trying to do different things with grammar. My grades skyrocketed from like decent grades to the worst grades you've ever seen in your life. And then they started trying to teach me how to read the, the English language. And so in fourth grade, when everybody was reading Nancy Drew and, and uh, like all the guys were reading the Hardy Boy books, I was literally in the background table with our assistant teacher going, little bunny foo-foo running because I stuttered so bad and so as God began to call me in my life do you think it was easy for me to say yes or it was easier for me to say no and run because I can tell you that even today as I've talked and as you've read my slides if you have any grammar about you you've been like that's horrible grammar but you know what's funny God just uses it to speak to people's lives so you know why just because at one point or another I finally got courageous enough and said yes Lord whatever you ask me to do I will go do. And I'm not anything special. I, I'm just being honest. I'm not putting myself down. I'm not anything special. Can I tell you something? God wants to use you too. It's just a matter or not of whether you'll say yes and have the courage to step out and do what he's telling you to do. Some of you in this room, you haven't joined the incredible dream team here. And maybe you know God's been stirring your heart to do that. You need to leave this auditorium and go sign up immediately and participate. Some of you in this room, you've never been part of a small group. And every time they talk about groups, it makes you nervous. You need to know it's almost time to sign up for groups. You need to sign up whenever it's happening. Some of you in this room, you need to join the prayer team. God's given you this ability to believe and have faith for big things. And you've been too scared to go talk to them about joining that team. Can I just tell you, join the team. Do what God has called you to do. Just say yes and have courageous spirit inside of you when you do it. Number three is this right here. I've learned this the hard way. 
and that is this, you got to learn to feed the Spirit. If you want to walk in the Spirit, you got to learn to feed the Spirit. And a lot of people don't like this when I say these things, and this isn't fun to preach, I'll be honest with you, because people tend to put up walls and shield themselves, but here's what I've learned. What I feed lives, what I starve dies. And some of us in this room, I, I know you like what you listen to, and I know you love what you read, and I know you love what you watch, and you have all these things that are pouring into you, but I've learned in my walk with the Holy Spirit that when I start putting up gates, and I start paying attention to what I watch, and what I listen to, and what I read, and hear me when I say this, who I allow to speak into my life, the people I talk to, and when they say something, I... I I filter it because I, I, I'm listening who it's coming from. And if it's not coming from someone who's producing fruit, I'm not saying it's not ever good or wise. I'm just telling you it's filtered before I let it get to my heart and to my life. Because I've learned that how I feed myself is how I grow in walking with the Spirit. And some of you in this room, I believe with all my heart, if you'll just take a moment and you'll ask the Holy Spirit, hey, where are some places I should put some gates in my life, God? Where are some places that I should put some filters in my life? And, 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 and God, but maybe you'll show me. Will you just show me, God, of some things I might need to back away from and say, hey, that's even though it's not bad for me, I realize it's just not for me. Can I just say that? Like, I'm not against all this music. I'm not against all these TV shows. I'm not against all these books. Like, I'm just being honest with you. I've just learned that just because I can doesn't mean that I should. Just because it's my filter. You know why it's my filter? Because I'm choosing to walk with the Spirit. I'm choosing to feed my Spirit. Why? Because I want to produce more of the love and the kindness and the gentleness and the peace and the forbearance and the goodness and the self-control. I need more of that. Why? Because I want more people to see Jesus. And when I walk in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit in its fullness, I am pointing people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And guys, that's what we're all called to do. If you'll remember Matthew chapter 28, he says this, I go away to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and get, the, get you. But then he leaves the great commandment, right? And he says, go into all the world and make disciples. It's a mission. And the only way we walk this out and be a part of this mission is when the Spirit is alive in you and in me. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And as everybody's standing, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to the front and into the corners. Here's what I feel like I should end on. And this is probably the best way I can end is, is during this sermon, I've given you guys a few questions. And in those questions, I pray that you've begun to wrestle and think through what it is that God is saying to you. Maybe God's calling you to walk closer with Him. Maybe God's calling you to add some filters into your life. Maybe God is saying to you, hey, you don't need to be scared of the Holy Spirit and the idea of walking in the Spirit. But I know this, that this whole series of Running with the Giants has been something on Pastor Anthony's heart because we need to walk and be more confident in who Jesus Christ is in us. And I can just tell you this, and I tell you this with a lot of love. You will never be 
everything that God has called you to be. And you'll never do everything God's called you to do unless you allow the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to produce the fruit that He says in His Word His followers should carry. And I don't know about you, but that drives me to be closer to Him every time. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? As I finish this prayer, I'm going to ask you that if you want prayer, if you want someone to encourage you or to be a part of this journey with you, if you need somebody to say, hey, hey here's what I feel like God's saying to me for you, or, or maybe just a prayer, a prayer of agreement with you and say, hey, as you lead and guide and direct and as you move forward of walking in the Spirit, this is what I want you to do. I want to ask you after this prayer to take a moment and worship and then respond with the prayer team. But here's the deal. God's always moving and God's always trying to draw us closer to be more like Him. God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God,